welcome to Talking Absolute Worship. For the next hour or so, we will be talking absolute worship about the lectionary texts coming up for this week and how they might inspire us in our worship leading. So, Lytton, where will you be going with these readings this week? Well, um, I looked at the Genesis reading and I thought, that seems to come up an awful lot during the year, so I put that aside. I looked at the Acts reading and I went, absolutely not. And I put that aside because that's just bonkers. I don't understand it easily at all. And my context is people who don't even know many of the basic stories. So I'm not going to bamboozle everyone with something I barely can make sense of myself, which leaves us with the baptism of Jesus, which just, it does come up every year on this Sunday every year, but it's always worth exploring so just to be clear there you're, you're saying that the acts chapter is bonkers that's <laughs> yes i, I <laughs> other people may be able to share their wisdom about it later and i look forward to that but for me it just if you just read it first you go what is he talking about and um that's that's next level stuff to where i am and and my level of biblical knowledge so Mark's version of the baptism of Jesus, um, it's, it's wonderful about the beloved. So beloved is probably the thing that I will focus on because it's such a fabulous phrase. And God says, you're my son, the beloved. With you, I am. And this is having lived in Essex. I apologize to Essex people, but well, well is how you say it. So you have to go, I'm well pleased with you, son. But God is well pleased with Jesus before he has started his ministry. This is at the beginning. So Jesus doesn't have had to do anything to be beloved. And I think that's a really helpful and encouraging thing for us in our faith, that we sometimes think we have to earn God's favor. We have to do things to be rewarded. But God says, no, you are my beloved. And he says that to Jesus at this point. Jesus might have done some things before, but not that were written down. Um, and then there are some questions that I would explore with my congregation about why was Jesus baptized in the first place? Was it to identify with us to say, was it to say, um, I, I want to do what everyone else is doing? Um, I want to acknowledge John's role in my ministry. Is it um, to receive the Holy Spirit that he felt that baptism would be part of that? Or was that a complete surprise at the end that this happened to Jesus? Was it as much a surprise to him as everyone else? And um, I think mostly I tend to go with the identifying with us, you know, if Jesus is fully human as well as fully divine, then he would do what everyone else was doing, but marking a new part of his life, so that baptism marks a new part in our life, whether that happens when we're a baby or an adult. And there are all those interesting things then about what you like before baptism. And I think we're still beloved before baptism, but it's a it's a sign and a symbol of God's work in us. And then I think there were questions about what changed, what changed for Jesus after he was baptized and what changed for the world after Jesus was baptized. And was it 
this coming of the Holy Spirit that kind of makes a difference to Jesus and his ministry. And when did we then first realize that what God has given us is good and valuable? And when have we felt beloved? And for some people, they'll be able to say, oh, it was when I was 12 or when I was 30 or something else in my life. And for other people, they will never have felt that. And um, I know particularly for those outside the church, not feeling beloved is something that, that happens a lot. So um, I met up with a lad last night when I was out walking with a teacher from school, long story, but one of the lads from school in the pouring rain was out with us on his bike at um, half six in the evening. He's, he's 10, 11, but he's often out on his own at that time because nobody wants him really. Nobody wants him at home. Um, and I met another young lass the week before in the same situation and nobody thinks they're beloved. And this, it just feels such a call on me to remind people in the church that they are beloved no matter what, because Jesus hasn't done anything that great yet, um, although he will go on to be pretty ace. And to remind, to remind those, to remind us, if we know we're beloved, that that's something for us to share with others and that the Holy Spirit will empower us just as the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. I think that's a, um, a really rich <clears throat> theme of uh, pastoral insight into that um, passage. <clears throat> so sometimes I think we get, or sermons get hooked up on this whole quite technical question about why was Jesus baptised? And, and it eventually end up saying, I don't really know. And the congregation says, well, that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> what next? Um, I wonder if, if in your head, when you're when you're thinking about that, um, your beloved um, section, which you described as, as receiving the Holy Spirit, I've never kind of thought of it about about Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit like that. <clears throat> um, is, do you think that's that's just a private moment that Jesus is sharing with God, or do you think everybody else can see that happening? I've always been a little bit in two minds about who sees that um that is it a private moment or is it a public moment have you got like a, a picture in your head about what's happening there with them i have a feeling and i haven't got to my gospel parallels in front of me that the that the gospel writers have different views of on it mm. i think for some everybody sees it obviously not mark <laughs> and for others it's a private moment and um I don't know. I, I don't whether whether everybody hears. Because here it says a voice came from heaven, and it doesn't say who hears God speaking. Um, I don't know. It's the end of my waffle. I don't know really. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I just think it's a fascinating thing, or whether there's a difference also between a kind of a a, a public. Um, a, a kind of a public demonstration that he's beloved and a personal reassurance that we're beloved. Um, but both those things are possible, aren't they? But I don't really know exactly um, which one is happening here. Maybe it doesn't really matter. So it doesn't matter for, for, for your point, which uh, 
I think is a, is a, as I said, a deep pastoral vein, which so many people need to hear nowadays that I am beloved and it's easy to take it for granted, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ruth, which direction are you going with this? Oh, Rachel, you have something to say about that? <laughs> Just sort of shifting in on um, what Nathan was saying about, you know, we don't know really why Jesus had to be baptised by John and all of that. And I read something, I did read something quite interesting, um, which said that um, the fact that Jesus was baptised by John kind of showed him as taking his place in the sort of lineage of um, Old Testament prophets. Um, so it was sort of showing that connection with the history of Israel, but then sort of moves beyond that so that um, the revelation, the voice from heaven and all of that shows that Jesus is actually something kind of bigger and better than um, any of Israel's prophets. So I was sort of thinking about how if I had a family there and this and it was a baptism, for example, and we were sort of talking about that, thinking about how um, for, generally I'm baptizing babies and young children, I have to say. So might, there might be something in thinking about how there are so many expectations when a baby is born and you know, when you've got tiny ones, you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, what are they going to be like? And you kind of, you pour all your ambition, all your unfulfilled <laughs> ambitions and hopes into this kind of tiny little thing. Um, so I thought you could perhaps draw something from um, the fact that Jesus was in, in, in this long historic line, but actually kind of broke the mould and went on and did something else and, and something to do with um, all, the, all the love and the history that goes before the new arrival of a, of a baby, but uh, actually letting that child be free to grow up and be their own person is also really important. Yeah, I, I read similar stuff about, I've also read about, um, I, which I, I've not read before or seen before, was that maybe this wasn't, the, the, the fact that Jesus accepted baptism wasn't really so much about Jesus himself needing anything or, wanted to prove anything but actually just validating John's ministry <laughs> he was actually doing something for John to say yeah John your, your ministry is valuable here so I, I thought I quite like that um then also I read some stuff which is quite tangled about what people understood by this whole immersion thing back then and, and scholars disagree don't they so when scholars disagree I'm, I'm at sea um, I, I, I tend to pick the one I'm currently reading is the one that has clearly has the right answer and then I read another one that's clearly the right answer um, but they do seem to agree that there, there were two, um, two two instances where immersion happened before John the Baptist before Jesus was around um, one of them was just for purification when you become impure and you'd was it the mikvah you'd go in the mikvah and you'd, you'd wash it off so that was a repeated thing it wasn't a once only thing um but it does always also seem to be quite a bit of agreement that there was some kind of ceremony where proselytes would become part of the friends of of the people of israel um by some kind of immersion which was more of a one-off thing it was like an entry and it kind of occurred to me that we say, well, Jesus didn't need to be baptised because this was a baptism of repentance. And it might be that a lot of the Jews come into John the Baptist and say, well, we don't need this because we're already Jews. We're already part of this family. And it might be that what John is up to 
well, I think what John is up to is announcing a new community, a new family that doesn't depend on Jewishness or, um, uh, or ancestry, but it depends upon having turned around to face Jesus, having repented and turned around and, 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 and made a move, a step into joining this new community. And so it kind of does make sense that Jesus is, is baptised if it's the formation of a new community. So he's basically him saying, I'm part of this community. Um, I, I don't need to, just like you might think you don't need to as Jews, but I don't need to, but I am. It's, it, it, it's what this is. It's a, it's a turning around. So, yeah, I suppose you could go on in circles of that, couldn't you? But there's plenty to be teased out of it, I think, that, that does have relevance for people in, in being part of church, we're supposed to be part of a new community, aren't we? That's different to the other communities that we're part of. It's different to our heritage or our family. It's a deliberate community of choice um, that we have gone through ritual in order to join. Um, and Jesus does that. I'm just like we would. Um, so there you go. Uh, there's plenty to get your teeth into. Lithan? I was just thinking that actually maybe Jesus had done things. Maybe he did need to repent of some things. And I think we're in danger of um, just saying, of course, he, if he's 30, which is kind of this sort of thing, he's definitely a grown-up by now. Surely, if he's fully human, there would have been things he's done that, that are at least a tad, you know, there must be things that are worth confessing. And maybe that's a good thing to be able to say that Jesus is one of us and he might not have broken the Ten Commandments, but there may have been things that he'd done that still it's it's always worth that fresh start that's available to all of us. And so maybe him doing that is a way of saying, you know, you know, there were a couple of things I did that still keep me up at night thinking about and that he did need to come and have that um turning around of his life as well I, i'm just waiting for the theology police to come bursting into lithan's study and drag her off kicking and screaming at um viewers of a sensitive nature <laughs> it's, it's it is that is i think that is very very real and uh is is really worth bringing out into the open what's going on with jesus what does it mean uh, other than just being a sentence that fits into some kind of theological theory to say that Jesus is without sin. What does it mean in practical terms? Um, did he have regrets? You know, you might look forward to the incident of the, of, the, of the Syrophoenician woman, wasn't it, who came up to him and he called her a dog. And you think, mm -hmm. was there a little, uh, little glimmer of racism in there? Um, and then people throw up their hands in horror and say, it can't have been, because <laughs> he was uh, without sin. Um, yeah, throw that one in, Lytham, by all means, um, and uh, I'm sure everyone will back you up. Ruth? Well, well just, just uh, to back Lytham up a bit, um, the, the message version of, of what he said to Jesus, um, so I've got it here on the screen, um, along with the spirit, a voice, you are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. I just thought they were, they were lovely words. Um, and we know the message is, a, is not a word by word translation and it's, it's true, but it's trying to get over the sense of that. And it was the marked actually, 
um, that I thought, well, if you see baptism as washing off the marks of sin, if that's, if that's part of what's going on, um, this is God saying, you know, you are marked, but you're not marked by uh, what you might have done wrong and by sin. You're marked by my love. Um, and that for me kind of perhaps brings us to a point where we can say whether Jesus was without sin, which is the, the traditional theological phrase, or, or whether we say, well, being fully human means he's bound to have done some things or at least thought some things um, that, that he might want to repent. Um, but, but really, God gets the last word who says, you know, you are marked, you're marked by my love. I, I found that really encouraging. I think that's really helpful. <clears throat> yeah, um, there's, there's, there's plenty in that. Plenty in that. Ruth, where, where where are you going with these readings? Oh yes, well, but it, it, really, I've got kind of um, I've bookended a bit this week and, and next week um, with with I didn't try to do this, but as I looked at the readings, I came up with a kind of a theme for each. Um, in the way that the lecturer used to have a title, you know, I, I mean, I'm going back 20 years now at least, um, that, that we were sort of, you know, this is what these are meant to be about. And they don't do that anymore because you know, they recognise that there's all sorts of themes. So I'm not pretending these are the theme um, for either this week or next week when we get there, but, but, um, but it's just kind of what came out for me. Um, and the theme that I got was about God speaking. Um, and I thought, next week is going to be about how we hear God speaking um I think well, there's some of that in there um, um but when what what does God speak for because we might think we don't want to hear God speak because God might say you know you're a terrible sinner or repent or you know any of those things if you think of the, the sort of cartoon people hearing from God it's not always good news it can be, you know, the, the big finger coming out of the cloud, not to bless and touch and caress, but to, to point and curse and, and smite. Um, so I thought, well, what, what have we got here? What, what, what does God speak for? We, what, what can we expect? And yeah, the Genesis one, God doesn't speak to judge and destroy in the reading that we have there right from the beginning. God speaks to create and bring into being and bring into relationship and bring into love. And so that's quite a good thing to hear God speak. That, that's certainly encouraging. And then Psalm 29 starts off with the voice of God thundering. Uh, and you think, oh, that's not so good then. Because traditionally people have heard thunder and thought, well, is that a voice from heaven? You know, should we should we attend to that? And it's hard to think that, that a, a clap of thunder might be a whisper of love. But even the Psalm 29 comes to the final verses. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. So we might start with God thundering, but we end with peace. So, so God speaking isn't in the Psalm, isn't a negative thing or, or a thing to be frightened of, but a thing to be, to be sought to listen for God's voice and know God's blessing. I, I will come to Acts, I promise, but I'm going to come there last. Um, so that with with Mark, we've we've got there. I mean, as I've just said in response to listen, but that the voice of God is a voice of blessing and love. And I love the pride of my life. You know, um, it feels like a very human father saying, oh, my boy is so proud, so proud. 
Um, it just feels lovely. And of course, in preaching, I would want to not use words like son and boy, but use words like child, because I don't want the majority of the congregation, who are usually women, um, to, to feel that it doesn't apply to them. So you know, I, want, I want everyone to hear God's voice and to be listening for the, those words of blessing for each of us. So acts. Mm. I've got the Bible here open in front of me um, just to make sure that, that I get this right, because it, it, Paul um, is talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. And that's not a problem with that. There's this bit about, was it John's baptism? Or oh, you don't want just John's baptism, you want this baptism in the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's something that, that needs to happen. Paul lays hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. I see the links with the, with the baptism of Jesus. Um, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And in some versions, it says they were tongues of ecstasy. And I, I, that just got me thinking whether tongue, tongues of ecstasy is, a, you know, a little phrase that we put in inverted commas. So we mean speaking in tongues and we think we know what we're talking about, though, you know, we might not have experienced much of it and we might feel a bit suspicious. But the point of speaking in tongues isn't, to, for you to feel the ecstasy, but it's for you to convey blessing on other people. And Paul says elsewhere that, you know, someone should be ready to translate. So it's a way of the community of God hearing the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And so again, I would argue quite strongly that this is about blessing, that God is speaking to bless and encourage and build up. Um, and it's not meant to be scary or judgmental. So that for me, that kind of pulled pulled the readings together. And I think in preaching, I would want to be helping people think, you know, what if as we gather to worship, however we gather, you know, they're on Zoom or elsewhere, um, as we gather, are we ready to listen for God's voice? And, and are we somewhere at the back of our mind thinking, I'm not sure, you know, it feels like going into the headmaster's study and, and I might not like what I hear. But these readings take us in a completely different direction. It's, it's about sitting down in the pub with a good friend and we want to hear what they've got to say. And we, you know, so it's that kind of, I would want somehow the worship to have that sense of, um, of, of it's not excitement isn't the right word but a warmth and and a, an encouragement and a, an enthusiasm about like, what what is God saying to us let's let's hear what's God God has got to say uh, and let's be ready to be blessed by it so that's where I'm going yeah um, I can see that um I I picked out pretty much exactly the same theme I like to title find the find its common title and, and mine was pretty much the same as yours except I think mine was I, I call mine the voice of God um, and the voice of God speaking in all the ways that that, that you highlighted that's not very dark um, the voice of God speaking in all the ways that you've um, highlighted and I, I think culminating in that voice that Lippman was talking about the, the beloved and I love the word the, the, the pride because I know when when you tell your children you're proud of them um it, it, you can see um what an effect that has for someone to be told um that somebody is proud of them and it's just a beautiful word isn't it um 
the axe one, I think you're right, not to allow it to become what it actually is uh, on the internet, which is a big, massive argument between people who think it's about rebaptism and people who don't. Um, and it's, yeah, I think just a massive red herring because it's a little bit unclear about exactly what's happening here. And he's not mentioned water at all. So um, it might just be, which I think may be a, an interesting way of approaching it, that um, Paul is really talking here about baptism not being a one-off thing that fixes everything. Um, it certainly makes sense in the United Reformed Church context, certainly also in the Methodist context on the baptizing babies, um, that initiation um, is, is, is lots of steps. Um, and baptism might be a fundamental step, but it's not the step. And it might be that later this whole spirit, that the awareness of the spirit comes later. We, we maybe call that confirmation, or maybe we should call it confirmation more than we usually do. We tend to call it membership, don't we? Which makes it much more of a bureaucratic sounding thing rather than a confirmation of your baptism is, is, is I think, a better way of describing it. Um, so I, yeah, so I, I know what the thing was saying. The, the Acts passage is, is like a bit weird and takes an awful lot of explaining to get to perhaps not that much. <laughs> um, in the end, you think, well, that was a lot of explaining to get to a fairly obvious point, which can be very much easy, more easily made through the other passages. Um, but certainly, the voice, uh, the voice of the Lord, is is one that um, I go for. I, I looked. I did go as far as this. Um, looking at Psalm 29, um, in the middle it says, um, the voice of God makes the, um, makes Lebanon, like an entire country or region back then, skip like a young calf. And it makes um, uh, da -da 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 Syrian, which is a mountain, apparently it's Mount Hermon, um, is another name for Mount Hermon, so it makes a mountain skip like a young buffalo it says in some translations and i did actually go on youtube if i could find any footage of a young buffalo skipping uh, and i'm afraid i couldn't um, i imagine it's not that different to a young calf skipping it's poetic parallels i was hoping there'd be like a significant difference between calf skipping and buffalo skipping but um a calf does it and it's just the sheer joy of life I, I, there's no reason for a calf skipping it just looks like it's just way <laughs> and the voice of God in in that little middle section of the psalm um just inspires just overflowing natural joy in life which I think is fabulous so yeah the voice of God I'd want to try and cover that whole spectrum of of the fear that you taught the headmaster's study shaking of the foundations and the and the intimate beloved and the uh, and the wild um release of joy that the voice of god can bring um which i think is plenty for one day um so yeah, that's probably the direction i'm going rachel where where are you taking these readings uh well, before i go on to where i might go um just to sort of pick up on, i really like the idea of um god god speaking um it occurs to me that I get people quite often saying to me, oh, I don't hear God speaking. Um, how do I hear God speak? And they, they seem to have a particular idea about how God's going to speak or what the message is, or even this sense that God only speaks to people like me, as in me, the minister, um, 
and that God doesn't really want to speak to the likes of you know whoever in the pew um, and I think to say that God has something to say that's really powerful for each one of us um, I think to bring that out through through those readings is um, really important that you know it's a voice of love it doesn't necessarily have to be a voice of you know go overseas and be a missionary which I think is maybe some of the things that people are expecting to hear um you know just to be just to know that you are loved by God is um is really important but I didn't quite go there myself with my thinking so I wrote down two two things at the top of my piece of paper um be ready for something different was my kind of first thought and my second my my supplementary question what do we settle for um because the first part of that mark reading you've got the crowds flocking to john um it says all the people of jerusalem so that's not just a few people that's that's massive um so i've got this image of, in my mind of a kind of billy graham type event where um all the people are there but they're there because they're ready for change they're not they're not there just because they you know felt like a night out they people go to these things because they're looking for something don't they they don't it's not just an entertaining thing to do um it might not seem that entertaining so they're they're ready they've come to see this weird john that they're, they're looking for change and john's trying to tell them that it's not about him um that you know there's someone else it's not it's not all about him um and then when you get to the baptism it seems really brief you've got quite a long sort of preamble to to that point so felt that the people have come looking for one thing and they would probably be quite happy with job with what john had to offer them because that's what they think they're looking for um and are they ready for for something different to happen and have they just you know would they would they settle for john i suppose is my question because it then it tied in in my mind with the acts reading um where uh, Paul asks them about the Holy Spirit, I'll just turn my page, and they say, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think maybe for maybe some people in our churches, there is a kind of settling for, you know, settling for gathering on a Sunday morning with a bunch of other people and having a nice time. Um, maybe that's what we've settled for and, you know, they might say, oh, you know, we've not really heard a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's another kind of insecurity, I think, that people often display. They might say, oh, well, you know, I don't feel that I've received the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you're expecting it to be, you know, all kinds of flashy and in one particular way. And um, I'm always saying to people, I've never had the big flashy Holy Spirit thing go off, but I don't, but I don't feel that any the less for that because I feel that the Holy Spirit is part of me in a different way um so just thinking you know don't settle don't just settle for the boring sitting in church on a sunday morning um and that's it life but you know open yourself up for the adventure of the holy spirit that's what i'd like to say Bethany's <laughs> getting a dazzling experience of the holy spirit right now it's just chasing her across the study <laughs> there we go that's a bit better Ruth. You were gonna, you were gonna chip in. Well, just, just I, I really like that idea of of settling, 
um, you know, and, and of asking people, have you just settled? Um, it, it reminded me a couple of years ago, I, I was able to go to yeah one of the bits of the Jordan where it is said that Jesus was baptised. And it's seriously underwhelming. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really brown and it's not very deep. Um, and I did roll up my trousers and take off my shoes and socks and stand kind of almost up to my knees in it. And that really was the most I was prepared to do because I wasn't convinced. Well, also, of course, now it's a big tourist thing. So you're looking at your fellow tourists who are going for total emotion and wondering what's in this water. It's kind of people's soup uh, and really not very attractive, and which always reminds me of, of, of Naaman the Syrian. Whenever we get to that reading now, I can preach that with real conviction when he says, what do you mean washing the jewel? <laughs> kind of, whoa. But, but I like it as a, a kind of metaphor for, yeah, it's not about the water. You know, it's a, and I think for, for the, um, it's interesting that in, in Mark's account of, of the baptism of Jesus, the moment he came out of the water, we don't hear about the water. We don't we don't hear what he did and what happened to the water. It's not it's after as he came out of the water, then God does his stuff. And I think that's separating out yeah, the 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 physical stuff which we sometimes settle for and we finish there, we stop there. But God is waiting behind the physical stuff to do something, which of course, you know, we could go blethering on about sacrament if we wanted to. And right now as we're talking, you know, um, with pandemic and all of that, we're talking about what is church. I'm having in a number of places conversations with people about have we settled for church as buildings and gatherings, you know, just pretty much as you've just been saying, when we should be being church and hearing from God and doing God's work. Um, so I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of richness in that concept of what have we settled for uh, and what is God waiting to do. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I love that. Um, what do we settle for theme? Um, I, the thing that popped into my head when you were when you first mentioned it was the opening um, or the poster and the opening to Train Spotting, the first film. Um, which I think that you can get a giant poster of it. It depends how um, sensitive your congregation is to the swearies in it um but that is ex they, they're saying exactly that settle for a you know a dvd player uh, or a video player whatever it is there's a long list of what, of what we settle for in life and then it says, it says at the end choose life um all of this stuff is meaningless and of course he then descends into a drug adult choice of that kind of life, which is maybe something different than we'd want to preach, but um, the message is kind of the same. Don't settle for that. Um, choose life. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I even got a copy of that poster somewhere that I bought and then didn't dare put up because <laughs> because of the swearies in it. <laughs> to blank them out, I'm gonna have to go and have a look now and see if it's in our massive poster pile in the corner of the study. It's quite possible. Which kind of brings us. Um, towards uh, thinking a little bit about visual stuff and prayers and the other kinds of things we might uh, use these readings uh, for as we're in inspired to try and share them with our congregations. I think I'll, I'll go around in the same kind of order. Um, wh 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 where has it led you, Lithan? Um, two things to offer. One is 
um, to have some prayer stations that are kind of looking at the, the ones that I thought of. They're sort of prayer stations, but you could have them as the way of exploring the words. So you could either make it that that's, you know, you go and say a prayer, but you might want to instead think about an element. So one would be to have some wild honey and some rough sacking for people to put on and kind of say, um, what's it like to, to live a wild life, I guess, and to be really um, almost monastic, I suppose, John would be. What would it mean to live simply on God's love? And then have some sandals to tie and untie. Obviously, you'd have to, or some shoes, because our sandals are mostly buckle and unbuckle, aren't they? But just reflecting on John feeling unworthy, but yet Jesus seeing him as worthy. Um, have some blue material where people, um, depending on their age, could kneel down or even lie right down and then and renew your um, baptism vows. Um, and then more prosaically, have a, have a dove to make, to take home, with, I always like take home things, but kind of that reminder of the, the spirit with us. And then have the word beloved for people to colour in. And I might have said before, I'm a big fan of colouring in. I think it, ju it just calms you down and helps you to have a time to reflect. So as I say, I think they would work well either to be prayers or um, for the, the sermon slot. But also for that, I've That's got... a bit like a na National Trust dressy up room. Which be oh, yeah. We all love the dressy up room. <laughs> <laughs> so then I've got, let's find slideshow. This thing always goes, there we go. Come on. So then I've got various pictures of baptism, Jesus' baptism. And this is what I might use is to say, look at these pictures. What do you notice about them and what speaks to most about Jesus' baptism and why? So there's a mixture of pictures and then there's an odd one out, really. So um, I love this picture. That's stunning. Um, then there's this one where the, the doves come really close to Jesus. Um, but I love the look on his face. Then there's Ruth's favourite. I've got the scale of what is a bit, he's a bit squat. He's a bit too wide there. I think I must get them all in. But you can see the details because it's just that is a painting where there are so many details to reflect on. And then I put this one in. This is the odd one out. So this is um. I think it's Ahmed, who I baptised. Um, there is another comical picture that I haven't shared of when I put too much water in the, in the birthing pool that we had, and everyone around him got baptised as well. And someone caught a picture of the water sloshing out. But I just think, I just think this is such an amazing picture of his face at the moment of me praying the prayer after the baptism and the water coming down is just... Um, a very special moment about what does it mean to be baptized and I wonder if that's what Jesus face felt like kind of just filled with love and then this is a quite a weird one of lots of different pictures of Jesus stuck together um, at the moment of baptism but I think they're all conversation starters and people will take kind of what they want from those different ones so those are my offerings Oh, I'll, I'll add one to that because I had a look at um, a gallery of pictures that's linked off my uh, lectionary site, which included 
a few of those and then stuck in the middle of them without any explanation other than it is called incarnation um, was 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 this one and um <laughs> I, I yeah I, I think we're going to have to bring this back when 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 Neil's with us and ask us what on earth is going on there um but I, I, if I was going to do a series of pictures I think I might just stick that on and and, and appeal to group wisdom to say well, <laughs> is that incarnation well do, do, do you want my thoughts yeah well only that only that you know my first thought was it's a window but but there's something about the coming down isn't there I mean so you've got the earth the green could be I mean you know to me I see the earth and then I see the sky the blue and then I see the coming down the gold which in icons is always about heaven so it's for me that's heaven touching earth um but you know that's that's I, I know nothing about art I only know what I like you know, I think you're right, Ruth. I think you're actually right. I, I was struggling to know what the green was, but yeah, clearly it is the earth. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, pictures is, is, is a good way to go. Um, so you've got uh, the, the, the prayer stations and the series of pictures. Um, Ruth, what have, you, uh, what have you dug out of your closet? I've got an apologies. I haven't got it on a fancy um, slide, but I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, the poem Late Fragment, Raymond Carver, which is, is which goes back to that word beloved, which I just think is a word I'd love to colour that in um, because it's, it's a beautiful word. Uh, and, and it's a very short poem which says, and did you get what you wanted from this life even so? I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth and I just think that's it just and what's lovely is that the the, the site that I got it up is the all poetry site um that the comments underneath are amazing because it's, it's so wonderful to be loved um I wonder if you found someone to love him love and beloved what more could you ask for my kind of writing you know beautiful thank you and I thought I can't think of too many poems that would get that kind of response from people. And I think you just, because it's very short and it, it comes from the heart of, you know, what did you want? I, I, I just want to be loved. Except he says it in a poem and he says it better than that. But I think there's something there that, that I'd love to share with people of, um, this is what God is offering you. This is what God says to Jesus, but I don't, I'm sure I haven't at times in my life preached the sort of sermon that says the baptism of Jesus says how wonderful Jesus is. But I think as I get older, I wanted to preach a sermon that says the baptism of Jesus shows how wonderful we are in the, in the eyes of God. Yeah, that, that it's about, you know, because that is actually the meaning of the coming of Jesus is to tell us that we're loved. Um, and and for, for an action on that, um, and I tried this, um, and I guess it's probably three years ago um, where I was in quite a, a large church um, and, and I knew that they had a, a, a font at the front 
there wasn't a baptism. I mean, you really want there to be a baptism this week, don't you? But you, you can't always have it happen. And, and because there wasn't, I thought about, well, I thought about two things. One was I thought about being a brownie and how when people were were, were um, unrolled, as we always called it, but enrolled I think it was, uh, as brownies, you, know, you all saluted and you remembered when you made your brownie promise. Um, and our brown owl was very big on that and always said that whenever somebody new joined the pack. And I became a guide and a ranger and a guider and a dib dib. Um, and I did use the wrong hand there. No, I didn't. That's my right hand. You shake hands with your left and you salute with your right. Um, but but doing that kind of, you know, the linking of now this person is coming in and, and that's a time for us all to reflect on when we, <clears throat> excuse me, joined the brownies or in the case of a baptism, the church. So I've, I've often uh, at a baptism said, you know, we might all like to think about the, uh, the baptism promises we made or which were made for us and so on. And then I went to a baptism, I'm gonna name drop now, it was a relation of Gareth Gates, the one who won Pop Idol or some such. Um, and I happened to be in, if I say Bradford, I think that's right. We were in Bradford for a very good reason that I can't remember what it was. We went to church that Sunday morning. It happened to be this baptism. There was lots of, oh, it's Gareth Gates because it was some relative of his who's been baptized. And the retired bishop, and forgive me, I can't remember which bishop, I can't even remember which town I was in. Um, yeah. But the, the retired bishop who was doing the baptism, um, when it came to the point of baptism, uh, said, you know, baptise the baby, fine. And then said, but this baptism is not just for this baby, this is a sacrament of grace for the whole church. So everybody should share in it, at which point he put his hands in the font and splashed the water all over the congregation which was the trick that I did for many years in, in, my, in my ministry, um, because, you know, when it felt right, and usually in the summer months, um, but, but to try to, to, to make the point of, you know, this is for you, this is for us corporately, this is for everybody, we are all blessed and, and we are all beloved. Um, so when I was doing this service, sorry, back to the long story this turned out to be, back to the service I was doing, there wasn't a baptism, so I couldn't do that. And I thought, that would go so well. I thought, well, I don't know whether they'll go for it, but I'll put some water in the font. I'll have to make all sorts of theological statements about this is not really baptism. Um, but but the, this is your opportunity to come um, and to to either dip your finger in the font and, and sign yourself, which is you know, fairly standard, um, church thing though not so much in our circles um, and remember your baptism and remember you are beloved and feel yourself marked and loved by God um, or you might like to come with somebody else and do it for each other and I didn't say but I thought or you all might like to sit there and look at me and know well we don't do that in the U.S. <laughs> So I gave introduction and the water was in the font and um, I think the, I'd asked the organist to play something, you know, to cover my embarrassment really while nobody moved. And almost the entire church, there were about a hundred people there. It took ages because everybody did it. And what was so moving for me was I could see their faces at the font because they had their back to the congregation at that point. And it was the most, wonderful moment of people and I thought actually the sermon 
who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, because God has touched people here through this. They, they, I mean, hats off to them as a congregation for, for doing it. Um, but, I, but I was very grateful for the idea and, and really moved um, to see what it meant to people. Um, so I would probably try, try that again. I'll probably try and do that again. Though I suspect, you know, I might have the experience I was suggesting, <laughs> I was expecting the first time, but, mm. um, but it was lovely. And going back to Rachel's word of settle, it was lovely. They didn't settle for, well, let's hear a sermon and let's think about this. They wanted to come and claim it and be involved. It was lovely. It's like Peter saying, not just my feet wash the whole of me, isn't it? Don't, don't, I'm not settling for that, God. I want, I want it all. <laughs> That's absolutely beautiful. I am um, knocking on my window. Can I just have one moment to open the door? Someone's <laughs> <laughs> knocking on the window. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll show you some pictures because I kind of went in a similar direction about thinking about my own baptism. I don't know. Does either of you know what the date of your baptism is? I have the certificate. Ah. Uh, and, and I know, I know, I was about three months old, and I know which minister baptised me. And he actually wrote to me a couple of years ago and said, "I think I remember baptising you." And I was able to write back and say, "I don't remember you baptising me, but you're right, you did, because I have the certificate with your signature on it." Uh, which again, yeah. it's just one of those lovely connecty things. Do you know when it was, Lisa? Um, I don't know when it was, but I could ask my parents because there's a whole bit in my album with with meticulous notes about who, where, when and where the party was. And, and showing my age, half the pictures are in black and white and half are in colour. <laughs> it's interesting though, because you, you could go and find out. I, I hoped I could go and find out. And, and I went down to the study yesterday to find the Bible that was presented to me when I was baptised um, by a church secretary in Hythe. Uh, my dad was the minister, but the church secretary did the baptism. Um, and uh, Ruth's gone now, <laughs> taking some turns. Um, oh, she's gone to get the certificate. <laughs> um, but I can't find it. I, yeah, it's a bit like that. And I'm devastated. I, I, I've had this on the shelf for years and years and years, and I just couldn't find it anywhere. So um, either Lytton's hidden it without telling me. So there you are. Oh, wow. That, that is, uh, that was, this was my baptism. <clears throat> gift uh, it's when you see the box you realize how old it is <laughs> mine's in a box uh, but I, yeah mm. um, so this was my um godparents who are my auntie and uncle I, i'm the fourth of four children my parents had run out of friends by the time they got to me so <laughs> so, so so it's my auntie and uncle um but they're wonderful absolutely wonderful and the, the uh, my I assume my Auntie Marjorie, um, but it could have been my Uncle Al, but one of them anyway, wrote in it uh, from Romans 12, love in all sincerity, loathing evil and so on, um, which is a wonderful quote and still kind of moves me when I read it and wrote it all out. You know, I didn't just put, well, look up Romans 12. Uh, and so I can tell you that the date was the 6th of October, 1963. So I was, I was born in the July. So August, September, October, yeah, I was under three months old when I was baptised. And when I was a baby, I thought having, or whether I was a child, I thought having a Bible and, you know, it's a proper um, King James version with the pictures 
those sorts of pictures. But as a child, I thought it was a bit rubbish because my brother had a, a, a silver uh, egg cup and spoon and used to use it every time we had eggs for breakfast. <laughs> and I had a Bible, which I couldn't use so much. Um, but in the end, of course, it's been the most wonderful present. And I could carry it around with me. Sorry, another long story. It's time for me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fabulous. It's great to see because these sort of real things. Are, I'm going to take, take that to the service with you because it, it shows what it what it means. It, I still think it's a bit weird. And this is what the track I went down. That all of us could tell everybody when our birthday is, but we'd have to go check sources to find out when our baptism day is. And yet we talk about how important baptism is, <laughs> and yet. I kind of think, well, do, do we really mean it? I mean, none of us know, none of us could say without references what day day we got baptised on. None of us mark it. Um, so I kind of thought, surely there must be some places where people mark the anniversary of their baptism. I know we have a fabulous moderator in our synod who uh, sends us cards to mark the date of our ordination. Uh, I don't know when mine is, but Ruth tells me, so that's great. She knows by some mysterious process uh, when I was ordinated, <laughs> ordinated, whatever it's called, and uh, <laughs> something like that. But I couldn't tell you when my baptism was. So I had a look, and um, apparently it is a thing. It's more of a thing in the Catholic Church um, to remember your baptism. Um, where's the share screen button? Oh, there it is, right. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I found some examples of um, baptism cards. Um, I quite like that one because that's like a kind of a grown-up one. Um, a lot of them are hideous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wants to receive that? I mean, so it's like the baptism is just, it's only for when you're a child and when you grow up, um, you needn't worry about it anymore. It's uh, like a childhood occasion, isn't it? Oh. On the 6th of October next year, Ruth, you're getting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th this is by the Mother's Union, I think. The Mother's Union do a whole series of cards for churches to send to baptism families to remind them that they were baptised. So that I think it goes up to five, and then, you, then it's safe to forget about it, um, as far as I can tell. It certainly doesn't go up to 70 or 80. Um, where the Mother's Union is still sending you cards to remember your baptism. Uh, I quite like that one. That's more of a grown-up one. Um, and I think, but it did it did lead me to be thinking about inviting the congregation maybe to think about the tradition and maybe inviting them to go and find out when their baptism day was. Um, and to think about how they mark it, you know, light a candle, say a prayer, do what Ruth is saying, you could even arrange to have people down at the church and, and use the font in some way. Um, or we could all pick a day, like this one would be a good day, the baptism of Jesus, to say this is the day we all celebrate our baptism, we will all bring our baptism books or certificates and we'll remember, and if uh, your parents took photographs of your baptism like mine didn't, and that, that non-exist, <laughs> um, then you could have an occasion. Um, I always, that's a weird one, isn't it? Look, on the third one, it's all horribly wrong. The baptism, water, <laughs> the baptism water doesn't quite lose quite nice anymore. You're drowning in it and there's a whale. <laughs> so, uh, that's too much water in the pool again. 
something's <laughs> gone horribly wrong with health and safety at that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so like some churches do this, apparently, um, they invite people to come back on a particular Sunday. That was January the 12th. So presumably they have picked um, the baptism of Jesus um, Sunday um, just to make a kind of a, a thing of it. Um, I thought would be a, a, a good thing to do. So um, yeah, that's that's where I got to thinking about baptism cards, and then um, being disappointed that I can't find my baptism Bible. So I'm going to have to ask my mother when she won't know. So we'll have to ask Hive URC. There must be a book in 1964 um, that, that has it listed in there somewhere. Rachel, what have you dug out of your closet? Well, just to say, I was baptised on Easter Day. I was about six weeks old. So I do, I can remember it. I don't remember the date, but I remember it was Easter. I, I don't remember. I've been told it was Easter Day. So on Easter Day, I do um, remember that. Because actually when my daughter was born, she was 10 days old um, on Easter Day. And we baptised her on Easter Day as well. Um, I was thinking that... The, the bit in Mark where you've got the dove and the voice and all of that, it's really kind of multi-sensory because you can see, well, whoever could, you've got the visual image of the dove and you've got the voice. So I was thinking about um, maybe some extra sensory things that you could bring in. Um, one year I did make a massive installation down the centre of the church that was all, it was like masses and masses of blue and white net and stuff. So I made a big river with shells and pebbles and, you know, the, the whole lot. Um, and I cut out millions of uh, paper doves and everyone in the congregation had a paper dove. And then we had a time for reflection with some music and all of that. Um, where you just got people to think to hold their dove and to think about um, where they felt they needed the Holy Spirit to kind of come and touch them today um, and they could come and offer it into the river if they so wished um, or they could take their dove home with them so um, I don't know it'd be nice to do something smelly as well wouldn't it but probably not river smelly but maybe you know candle smelly or something I don't know um, so that was sort of one of the things I was thinking of. I was, I don't know if I can share this because I'm really rubbish at screen share, but I, I was on a mini retreat last week where we were looking at icons um, and I did find, oh, this is telling me weird things. Um, oh, it's not got what I want. I'll just describe, there was a, there, there were two icons I found. Um, I need to get organised like uh, Phil and Lithan and put it all in a PowerPoint that just comes up. Um, <laughs> so there was one that had quite a wide river and Jesus in the river, but he looked like he was standing on the water, not in the water. Um, and on one side, you'd got John the Baptist and he'd got an axe. He'd got an axe at his feet because he was going to do, you know, cutting down all the, all the wicked people. Um, and on the other side of the river, there was a band of angels with towels, which I really liked. Um, and you'd got the Holy Spirit, but it looked like the Holy Spirit was pointing upwards. Because often you get like the nose diving spirit, don't you? Head down. This had the head going up. Um, but then there was a similar, um, a similar icon 
where, and in fact, there were a series of these icons where it looked like Jesus was standing in a waterfall and it looked like the water was all coming down on him. I know it was just perspective really, but um, I, did, I, I liked those as well because I just like the idea of um, God's love being like this kind of mighty torrent and, um, and kind of almost um, just completely enfolding Jesus. So um, I might do something with some icons as well, just get people to look and share what they see see where it goes yes yeah, so i've lost my screen momentarily my screen disappeared so yeah oh, i'm back on right yes <laughs> um, yeah is it is it this one here um da, 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 da. <clears throat> angels with towels here yeah so that that was that was one of them though um there's a few so that's a more of a waterfally one and then there were um oh. there was one where he was kind of floating on the on the quite a wide river it was yeah. i can't remember what it was called but yeah that that general idea i yeah that yeah iconography is fascinating isn't it uh, I, I i need guy i need a guide to take me through orthodox iconography because <laughs> um but when you are guided through it, there is so much in what is apparently a simple image um, that there's a lot to unpack in that, isn't there? Mm -hmm. That's cool. Okay, so we've got um, we've got themes about about belovedness and pride, and um, we've got themes about remembering our own baptism, um, and we've got. Um, themes about the, the voice of God and how God speaks and what we settle for. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that um, nobody's going to be able to preach all of that. And uh, <laughs> so a, a reminder to pick one, uh, run with it, um, choose life, um, but choose brevity alongside it. <laughs> um, has anyone got anything else to say that before we uh, close with a time of prayer? nothing more to add okay um we've been talking absolute worship and uh we hope that your worship preparation is a blessed period as you seek to bring god's word alive for your congregations rachel's going to lead us in prayer let's pray loving god we thank you that we are all precious in your sight and beloved by you. And we pray that you'll take what we offer, that you will bless all those involved in preparing to preach on the baptism of Jesus. Pray that it won't be an academic exercise, but that you would give each one of us, those who prepare and those who receive, a fresh experience of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.